We are almost on our way home. We are really close. Uh, can you believe it? We have this one sermon today, this morning in 1 Peter 5.10. Next week, we're going to close our study together of 1 Peter. Thank you for journeying with me. Uh, I hope and pray that God has used it to grow you in Christ's likeness, to encourage you, to remind you that He loves you even when it hurts, uh, and just to celebrate the reality of who we are in Christ the one who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Let us rejoice together. But in reality, wow, I mean, Peter paints a picture of who we are in Christ. I mean, he starts off his epistle by telling us that we're chosen. He tells us some incredible characteristics of who we are, that by God's grace and through the work of Jesus, that we've been given new life, that we're born again and He tells us that we are a chosen people. He tells us that we are a holy nation. He tells us that we're a royal priesthood. I mean, he describes us in some incredible ways. And yet I love about Peter, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is he also tells us the truth that life really hurts. As a matter of fact, you're going to have suffering. You're going to have sorrows. And the way home is going to be really difficult. You're going to lose loved ones. And you're going to have sometimes diseases that aren't going away. And there's going to be things you pray about that just aren't coming to fruition yet. And life is difficult, is it not? I mean, can we come together with reality and honesty and His name and His presence and just say to one another, it hurts. And there's times when it really hurts. I mean, times like now and, and, and uh, when we have Thanksgiving and Christmas times, times to celebrate, oftentimes those are the times that hurts the most because it's a painful reminder of who's not at our table. It's a painful reminder of what we don't have. It's a painful reminder of our current condition that we still wrestle with. And there's times in this journey in Christianity where we probably cry out. I know I do in my life, and I'm sure you do in your own. We cry, are we ever going to make it home? Are we ever going to get there? Is it ever going to stop bleeding? Is it ever going to stop hurting? Am I finally going to make it? And there's such incredible news that God gives us in His Word, not just here in Peter, but throughout Scripture, that God is so gracious to us. He calls us to Himself, and He he cleanses us and sets us free. But He doesn't just leave us alone. And there's this incredible chain of God's grace that we're going to see this morning that we can't miss. It's so important to us that we can't miss this. Why? Because life really hurts. Because there's still some broken pieces and there's still some things that are missing. And there's this golden chain of God's grace that we see throughout Scripture. And that we see in this text before us today. That the one who calls us to himself is the one who's going to fix us up. Jesus is not a Savior that just washes us up and sets us free. Jesus is a Savior that stays with us and continually mends us and makes us whole. But really, the incredible good news is that there is a day coming where we will have and experience fully perfection. Where we will no longer be capable of sin. Where we will no longer be capable of tears. Where the sadness and the brokenness that still remains for His children will be forever driven away. Do you long for that day? Do you long for that reality? Do you sit here in the midst of the journey of life and say, where am I again? How would I get here? And how do I find it home? Well, this is what Peter tells us and reminds us about God's grace, this golden chain of grace that guarantees that we're going to find our way home. 
First Peter 5.10, if you've been with us in the study, typically I, I use the NASB uh, translation to preach from. But this week, I'm using the NIV, and the reason I am uh, is I believe the NIV is closer to the original here. Really, uh, the way that it, it starts off by talking about God's grace. So for those of you who brought the NIV, Yahoo, we finally landed there, all right? Um, I'm excited for you, uh, but no matter what, let's remember that we're reading together God's holy, inerrant word. And by the way, uh, behind me, you'll see probably the NASB. I, I wasn't thoughtful enough to tell them what I was doing, so uh, um, sorry. But let's read God's holy, inerrant word together. First Peter 5, verse 10. It starts off, and, and the God of all grace. And really, what I believe is even better, that word and there, it could be translated but. Uh, and I, I truly believe that, that this was what Paul was intending to say was but. He was trying to make a transition here because what happened last week, remember if you were here with us last week, we talked about the reality that we're in a spiritual battle. We talked about the reality last week that we're under satanic attack. We talked about the reality last week that there's an adversary who hates us, that wants to rip open our lives, that wants our marriages to end, that wants our, care, our children to go astray, that wants our churches to crumble. There is a real spiritual battle that's raging. There There is one that wants to devour us so much so that he roars like a lion looking for us. And we know in the reality that's true because here we come and we got the scars of life, do we not? Here we come and we have the emptiness and the hollowness and the brokenness that still is a part of our lives, even as Christians. And here we come again afresh, those who've been set free still needing to be mended. And here's the beauty and the grace of God. He says, I know you're under attack. I know it really hurts. And I know that you're still suffering. But, but, the God of all grace. How beautiful a description of God. The God who is full of grace, who continually leads with grace. The God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ. After you have suffered a little while, will himself, this God of all grace, and the the Greek here is very emphatic. It wants us to know for sure that it is God himself in Christ. This God is the one himself who will restore us. He's the one who will restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Oh, what good news is ours again this morning. Let's pray together. O God of all grace, be gracious to us and come and speak. O God, we come so needing to hear your voice and we come so needing to feel your touch. And God, we come needing to be reminded in the midst of the battle and the suffering of life and the pieces that still don't fit and the pieces that are still broken and the hollowness that still seems to reign that you are a God of all grace. We need to be reminded that what you begin, you finish. We need to be reminded that your Son has mended us and continues to mend us and will lead us home. Father, would you be pleased to speak through a broken sinner who desperately needs to be hear this message himself? God, would you give us ears to hear from a shepherd who's our Savior? Would you give us minds to understand about the Word of God becoming flesh and dwelling among us. Would you soften our hearts to embrace this incredible reality? And God, by your grace and for your glory, would you empower our feet to walk in a manner worthy of our Savior as we walk our way home? 
in a home where there's no more tears, in a home where perfection reigns, in a home where we see our Savior face to face. So Father, come and speak clearly and remind us of that reality so that we can journey in a way that brings you glory. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. There's a few things I want us to see as we look at this incredible golden chain of God's grace. And the first thing I want us to see is this. It's the God of all grace who calls us. It is the God of all grace who calls us. And ever since man fell into sin, ever since we have disqualified ourselves from being rightly in God's presence, we have a God. Listen, we got to celebrate the reality that there is a God who is and who lives and who is holy and without sin. And yet this God who lives and is and who is holy and without sin. You ready for this? This God is a God who calls sinners into his presence. This is a God who graciously calls sinners into his presence. He doesn't curse us away from him. We open up the book of the Bible and we are told in the beginning about an incredible story of a God who loves his creation, who created all things out of nothing. And of all the things God created us, you and me are his centerpiece, his masterpiece. He's created us to reflect who he is. He's created us to know and to love him. He's created us to serve him and represent him on earth. He's created us to be his family, to to share in his riches. He's created us to to go everywhere and bring the good news that there's a God who loves and a God who is. He's created us to walk with Him in the cool of the evening in the garden. But we rebelled. And the first man and woman who was created without sin and holy for this relationship, the first man and woman that was created to, to be His vice regents in all of creation and to take care of creation and to bring paradise wherever they went, they blew it. Like us, they fell into sin. And because of their sin, we are born into sin. And there's a beautiful picture that God gives us of the reality that man has separated himself from his Creator. He has defiled himself. He has forfeited his right to be in a holy God's presence. And God had every right to show up into the garden that He created that man had ruined. And to go to that image that now has been tarnished. And God had every right to curse man and woman. He had every right to go in there and say, Cursed are you, Adam. Cursed are you, Eve. I made you right. I made you holy. I made you for myself. And you have sinned and separated yourself from me. And you have brought death and destruction. Cursed are you. But he doesn't. He calls. Unbelievable. Unbelievable, merciful God who calls to sinners even from the beginning. He called, Adam, where are you? Adam, what have you done? And Adam, I'm going to provide for you a Savior. Unbelievable. He cursed the ground and he cursed Satan, but he called to sinners like us. Rejoice, a gracious God who calls sinners. You come in here with baggage. You come in here wondering, is God going to whoop me? Is God after me? Is all this stuff happening because God doesn't like me? But God, we got to realize that God is a gracious God who calls us into relationship with Him. And there's even more than that. we got to realize that God graciously calls us into relationship with Him, not because of anything in and of ourselves. Because we are defiled. Because we are broken. Scripture will tell us we're dead in our trespasses and sin. We don't deserve God's mercy. We deserve God's curse. But unbelievably, He gives us His blessing. He gives us His call. And even today, unbelievable reality, He's still calling sinners like us. And he's calling us home. That's such good news. 
You see, Peter knew that reality firsthand in his own life. He knew the reality, and it was one day when he found himself fishing like a fisherman will do. And he was with Jesus, and he had spent the night, Peter had spent the night fruitlessly trying to fish and catching nothing. But in an encounter with Jesus, and Jesus, a carpenter telling a fisherman how to fish, will say, throw your net over on this side, and they'll have a haul of fish that was so great that a fisherman was amazed. And blown away. And it was such an incredible miracle that Peter knew that he wasn't in the presence of man. He knew that he was in the presence of God. And here's what he did. As he sat in that boat and he realized the one who was with him was God Almighty, the Holy One of God. He realized his sinfulness. And he realized that he shouldn't be in God's presence. He was defiled. And he said, depart from me, Jesus. I'm a sinful man. And the unbelievable grace of God who calls, who says, Peter, but I'm calling you. You are my own. My blood is going to wash you. My righteousness is going to clothe you. I'm not only going to clean you up, I'm going to make you beautiful. I'm going to use you. You are going to be my A plan. You are going to be now a fisher of men. And Peter knew the graciousness of God's call. Peter knew the reality. He was disqualified and didn't deserve it. But God of all grace who calls sinners like us. And because of that, his life was forever changed. And because of that, the church was forever changed. How is it with you? Do you know the reality, the grace of God's call to broken sinners who deserve his wrath? Let's have good news. There's this begins, this incredible chain of God's grace Paul will tell it to us in this way in Romans chapter 8. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 8. One of the richest texts in all of Scripture is Romans 8. In Romans 8.28, it's probably a verse that all of us have memorized at one time. It reminds us that we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God, those who have been called according to His purpose. We have the, basically this incredible uh, platinum card from God that says all of life is going to be okay, that everything is going to turn out okay. Well, how do we know this reality? Well, it's really in verse 29. And this is the way that Paul will say what Peter is saying. For those whom he foreknew before time began, a mystery, the triune God has set a love upon those who didn't deserve it, who deserved his wrath. But before time began, for those he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son. And here's what, Jesus, here's what God the Father and the Son and the Spirit has done. Before time even began, for some mystery, he knew that man and woman would rebel. And he says, yet, I'll, I, they deserve my wrath. They deserve cursing. But instead, I'm going to take my own and I'm going to separate them. I'm going to set them apart. And for those that I know that are going to come to me, those I'm going to be predestined to be mine. And those I'm going to call. Listen to what he says. Predestined to become the image of his son. I'm going to make these like Jesus. They're going to know him and love him and serve him. And so that they will be, so that he, Jesus, will be the firstborn among many brethren. In verse 30. And these whom he predestined and set apart, he also called, oh, how gracious was it to him, not only to set apart, but how gracious it is to God for to call to his own. Jesus would say it this way, I've come as a good shepherd. I've come to seek to save the lost. And I know my sheep. I know every single one of them. 
And I'm going to call in such a unique way that every single one of my sheep, no matter where they are, no matter how much sin they're embroiled in right now, no matter how much their life is falling apart, no matter how hard their heart is, I know my sheep, those the Father has set apart for me, those the Father has set apart for Him in His glory, and I'm going to call them. And every single one of them is going to hear my voice. Oh, the graciousness of God's call. Oh, the graciousness of God's call to ensure that we will hear the voice of the Good Shepherd and we will come. He says, to those he called, to those whom he also called, he also justified. What does that mean? He not only graciously calls us to himself, but he basically realizes that we can't stand in a holy God's presence on our own. We are defiled. We are like Peter. We have sinned. Depart from me, O holy God. Depart from me. But God, the ones who He's set apart, the ones who He's called, the ones He's predestined, He has justified. What does that mean? It's a big word. It means this. He has made sinners like us deserving God's wrath. Ready for this? He has made us legally in a holy God's eyes, pure eyes, able to stand in His presence and be able to say, God will be able to say to us, not guilty. Not guilty. How could he do that? He would take his son who knew no sin. As Peter would say, the spotless Lamb of God. He would take his son who knew no sin and he would curse his son on a tree. And he would take his son's righteousness for being the Son of God. The righteousness that he has won and earned for all the things he did to keep God's law. And an unbelievable exchange took place. He took our wrath. He took our sin that deserved his wrath. And he placed it upon Christ. And He took Christ's righteousness and He gave it to us. Here's what He did. You ready for this? The Father cursed the Son so we can call us. It's grace. The one who didn't deserve to be cursed was cursed so that we could be called. And the ones who deserved to be cursed could be set free. And that the holy God of the universe would say, I've come and I've cleansed you and you're justified and you will forever be not guilty. Is that God's grace? But you see, there's more than just that. God just not, didn't just wipe us clean and didn't just set us on a journey and say, good luck to you. He did so much more than, than just making us whole. It says it's, it's, it's an incredible work of God's grace that we are made new creations. We're new creatures in Christ. We've been born again. As Peter would say in 1 Peter 1.3, we have been created, we have been called, we've been born again into a new and living hope. He's caused us to be that. But there's more than that. He is perfecting us along the way. He's with us every day. He's restoring us. You see, there's God's grace in the journey. God is with us every step. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And any, anything that is broken and breaking down, He is going to restore. A family friend of ours uh, um, doesn't attend this church, and so I can, I'm safe in telling this story. Family friend of ours um, driving her car, and, and, and a very annoying thing happened to her. Uh, a light came on in her dashboard to tell her, check your engine. Okay, now what do we call those lights, by the way? Idiot lights. I think there's a reason for that. But there's a, uh, it was annoying to her. I mean, she didn't want to look at this light that was beaming in her eyes everywhere she went. She didn't want to see check your engine. It really bothered her. It just made her frustrated. So she took some duct tape and she put it over the dashboard so she didn't have to look at the sign. So she wouldn't have to see that 
And you know, sometimes we live our lives and we don't want to look at the reality of those things flashing on the dashboard. I mean, we're His. We've been justified. We've been set free. Hallelujah. What incredible good news. But it's still reality. Life still hurts, doesn't it? I mean, although we have been clothed in the Christ righteousness, although we've been washed in the blood of the Lamb, we still have an enemy who's attacking us. We still have some dark places in our lives. And there's still some things that are flashing on our, our dashboard. Check engine. Pull over. Get help. God created everything in six days. On the seventh day, he rested. Was he tired? Heavens no. He's God. But he wanted to show us the finality of creation and he wanted to give us a, 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 he wanted to give us a model to live our lives, a, a rhythm to live our lives. That, that God has created us to both work and to rest. And God has created us to be able to pull over on the side of the road sometime and say, I just need to be with the Savior. And I need to have him open up my hood of my life and set things right. And here's the beautiful reality. This is God's grace. This is what he does. It says, The God of all grace in Christ Jesus, he himself will restore you. Let's first of all talk about he himself. He himself is the chief El Jefe mechanic. I don't know about you all, but when I have my my car has repairs, I call El Jefe. I call the boss. I want the man. I don't want the apprentice to look at my car. I don't want the second guy who's like is lackey to look at my car. I want the man to look at my car. I want the one who's got the most dirt under his fingertips. I want the one who's got the most experience to tell me, put your master fingerprints on this car and tell me what's wrong. You know, it's, it's just, I feel more comfortable, especially if I'm going on a long trip. I say, Jim, will you please make sure that you look at this car and make sure that, it, that it's, it's roadworthy. I love the reality. This is what Jesus says. Let's listen, I myself am going to be your chief mechanic. I'm, I'm I myself. I'm going to be your chief mechanic through life. I'm going to mend you. And here's what he says. I am going to restore you. This word restore is a beautiful word. It's recreate. It's, it's, it's to perfect. And really, it's the word to align. It, it's the word, you know, we restore our vehicles, our old vintage vehicles to make them new again, to bring out that vintage beauty. I mean, this is what a, a chiropractor will do when you go and see him. He's going to align you again. He's going to restore. He's going to make new. You know what the beauty of this is? This is what the fishermen did to their nets. This is when they said they found the fishermen. What were they doing? They were restoring their nets. They, their nets were torn and tattered. They had holes in them. They weren't as useful anymore. And so throughout Scripture, we find that the fishermen, they're mending them all up. They're restoring them. They're going to make them useful. They're going to make them the way they were intended to be made. This is what Jesus does. He makes all things new. He's made us new once in justification. Throughout this trial and struggle in our lives, He still mends us. He still puts us back together. It's an incredible, gracious God. And it's he himself who does it. And then you get to Galatians 6 1. And let's let's turn there together. Galatians 6 1. Brethren, if any of you is caught in any trespass, any of you basically Paul is saying, for any of our brothers and sisters that are along the side of the road broken down, you who are spiritual. Look at that word. Restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness. Each one looking to yourself so that you will not also be tempted. Here's the beautiful picture of the gospel and the reality is that Jesus Christ graciously calls to sinners like us. And he gives us this incredible gift of justification 
For those of us who are His, those who have been called, He sets us free from our sins. But Jesus Christ Himself restores us. He aligns us. He puts us back together. We come to Him daily. We need, we need to come to Him. That's why He's created Sabbath for us to come to Him. To get realigned. To get readjusted. To be mended. To have that fishing net put back together because we're fishers of men. And now He tells us, now listen, go to those that are broken down on the side of the road and restore them. Mend them. Make them whole again. Perfect them to the original image. You see, this, this, this is the restoration of creation. This is how God has always intended it to be. Listen, God created us to be his vice regents. God's created us to, to be stewards over his creation. God's created us to bring paradise wherever we go. That's why it's so important for us, Orange as a church, to get this. We've got to continually come and bring, bring to him our brokenness and say, realign me, Jesus, realign me. We've got to continually go to those in our church and those in our community and say, how, by the grace of God, can I come in his name and be used for realignment, to perfect again? Oh, what incredible joy is ours. That is our call. The God of all grace who calls us. And although he knows we're suffering, and suffering in this life is going to make us all out of joint. And again, that word to restore is put back in again, the joint, to align, to set, to make new, make fresh. But he also says this, and he will make you strong. The word here, the make strong, is a word we get from steroids. Uh, it's, but it's all the, all the benefits of steroids and all the negative stuff, you know. I mean, it's the God of all grace who we come to him. And listen, this is a picture of your Savior Jesus. We come to him all out of joint because even though we're his, even though we've been washed in the blood of the Lamb, we're still hurting. You say, just fix us and align us. Not only just fix us, but listen. Strengthen us. I got none. I have no more energy. I have no more joy. I have no more ability. And it's the God of all grace who says, come to me, all you who are weary. Come to me, all you who are heavy laden. Come to me, all you who have lights that are going on saying, I can't do it. Come to me, all you who don't think you're going to make it home. Come, come, come. Don't forget, I've set you free, but come, 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 come. And let me throw up the hood of your life. And let, 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 me, let me realign and let me tinker and let me strengthen let me strengthen feeble knees and, and weak hands and, and, and let me empower. And you, you know, here's the beauty. Here's Peter. And these are the exact words. This word strengthen is the exact words that Peter heard. from. We, they're recorded in the Gospel of Luke. That after you fall away, Peter, after you mess up, after you become so out of a line that you're going to curse heaven saying you never knew me. After I come and make you new again, Peter, go and strengthen others. Go and strengthen the sheep. You see, that's our call, Orangewood. Our call is to continually come and come to Him and say, realign. And as you realign, call us to go and bring a realignment to the world. Come to Him, those who are weary, and come and receive power. But the whole point of us coming to receive power is that we go and we give power for the glory of God. And so the more we'll know Him and sing His praises and be called into His presence. Oh, what an incredible... Uh, what an incredible chain of grace that God has. He will restore us. He will strengthen us. He will cause us to stand firm. I mean, basically saying this, okay, you come to Jesus and he, he makes everything new again. He makes it new. He realigns it. And not only that, he gives it strength. And then he's going to cause it to stand upright and strengthen. That's who he, it's what he's doing with us. He's going to make firm. He's going to cause us to stand upright. And then this last word is established in the NAS. And 
Or what does the NIV say? It says steadfast. It's basically this. It's a, it's, a, it's a phrase of placing on a firm foundation that cannot be shaken. Look at this gracious picture of God. The picture of God that says, I'm going to set you free. I'm going to justify you. I'm going to forgive your sins. Not only that, as you go through life, I'm going to realign you. I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to cause you to stand upright. And then I'm going to place you upon a foundation that can't be shaken. And that foundation is Jesus, my own son. And you're going to be able to stand. I promise you'll stand through all the trials. They're going to come and the world's going to beat upon you and the floodwaters are going to rise. But by God's grace, that golden chain can't be broken. To those he predestined, he calls. To those he calls, he justifies. And to those he justifies, he will also glorify and set apart. And he will bring home to perfection. I loved also, there's a a line in the movie of uh, Remember the Titans, one of my favorite movies. If you remember it, it's a true story of a a football team that had to come together, a high school football team that had to come together at a time of uh, desegregation, and it was a white school that's now a mix of white and black schools, and they had a white coach, and now they have a black coach, and they had to figure out how to get along, and they had to figure out how to how to recreate uh, and, and love one another that didn't look like one another. And, and they were so successful. And they got to the very final state championship game and they're losing at halftime. And the coach comes in and he basically says to them, and these aren't the exact words, he basically says, good try, guys. I'm really proud of you. No matter what happens at the end of the scoreboard, just know you're winners. And just no matter what happens, just go out there. I'm so proud of you. What, what's happened here has been Unbelievable. And I, I loved it because really I think he was acknowledging that this team's too tough. We're up against a foe that we can't beat. We're about ready to lose is what he was basically saying. And then Julius, one of the star defensive players, stands up and says, you know, I know I'm not perfect. I know I got my issues. But together, together, we're perfect. And if it's all right with you, I want to end the season that way. You see, there's this beautiful picture, Christian, that here we come with all of our brokenness and all of our junk, and yet there's this phrase, in Christ, in Christ, together we are perfect. Together, the one who has washed us and cleansed us. Together, the one who continually restores us. Together, the one who strengthens us. Together, the one who causes us to stand strong. Together, together in Christ, perfection. And perfection is coming. Turn back to Romans chapter 8 as we close. Romans 8 is going to tell us about this glorious chain that is unbroken to those, in verse 30, to those who he has predestined before time began. These are the ones that I'm going to set an eternal love on. He also called to them. And to those whom he called, he also justified. And to those whom he justified, he also glorified the God of all grace who's called us into his glory. He is not going to lose one. Jesus who says, I've come to seek and to save the lost. I am not going to lose one. The one who says, I know my sheep. They know me. I know them by name. I will not lose one. Nothing can separate them from the Father's love. Nothing can snatch them out of my hand. No matter where you are in the journey, no matter what lights are going off in the dashboard, no matter how you want to cry out and say, can I make it home? Here's the reality. He's getting you home. You're not going to miss it. Glory is coming. It's a part of the golden chain that can't be broken. Because he's an all-powerful, omnipotent God. Here's the reality. Humanly speaking, as parents, we would do anything we could to protect our children. Humanly speaking, as parents, we do anything we could to make sure that they got their way home. They, got, they made their way safely. 
But in reality, we are not all powerful. In reality, we cannot ensure that reality. How painful it was for us just recently to be reminded of that. Just a little over a week ago, it was the Singletons who went on a family boat trip. Eric and Michelle, husband and wife, took their three children, Eric Jr., nine, Caitlin, two, and Ashley, three months. And apparently there was a pump that wasn't connected uh, that would be able to pump out some water that was getting into the boat. And apparently that there was a uh, uh, corroded wire that wasn't allowing the, the engine to be in the proper position. And eventually at a, at a, at they came to a stop. It, it, water flooded into their boat and swamped them. And there, this family of five found themselves floating. And the father was able to, in a heroic fashion, unbelievable heroicism, was able to get the three-month-old and just corral Ashley and, and swim as hard as he could swim until he found land and to walk as, as quickly as he could to find help. And hours and hours and hours later, he finds help. And the rescue workers go to the site where the boat had sunk, and there they found his wife, Michelle, but no traces of Caitlin. No traces of Junior. The mom tried to hold Caitlin, tried so hard, but she couldn't. And the bodies we found, they found, and the stories, I mean, I don't know how they get up this morning. I don't know how the singletons are doing it. I mean, I know the grace of God of all grace. I do, but Christian, that's not our story. We have a God of all grace who's called us to himself, who's justified us, who's tinkering with us. It's called sanctification. He's making us our way home. And who guarantees, I'm not going to let one slip away. They're all coming home. They're all mine. To all that I called all that I justified, all I will glorify. And that is why we as His people can sing, it is well with my soul. No matter what is going on in life, no matter what lights are coming on, it is well with my soul because the grace of God has saved me. The grace of God is making me whole. And the grace of God is leading me home. Let us pray. O God of all grace, who would call us and not curse us, who would mend us and not tear us. And the unbelievable reality that, Father, you had to curse your Son so that you could call us. Father, thank you for your call to those who don't deserve it. Jesus, thank you for your blood and your righteousness. Thank you, God of all grace, for your continued creating us afresh, strengthening us, establishing us, and giving us the privilege of doing the same for your creation. And Father, thank you for the reality that no matter what, we're going to see you face to face, and you're going to get us home. Because of that, it is well with our souls. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing together.